On this week's episode of Slashers, it's another cryptid combat cream pie as we do another Battle of the Cryptids, but this time international. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from Resistor. International edition. This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and horror for those who love horror. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Jim the Jim Bob, my Jim Boy, Jim Turn. Jim, how the hell are you this evening? I'm good. Good. And with us, producer Chad. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Greetings. So, fellas. What are we doing this evening? Cryptids International. This is something we talked about doing when we did the last Cryptids episode, where you may remember we took all the North American cryptids, put them in a bracket system, had them fight to the death, and the Wendigo waddled away the champion. Who's your front runner this evening, Chad? Oh, geez. Um, I would probably give it to uh, the worm. The Mongolian death worm? No, the other one, the the Lago Florted Worm. I was going to say, the Mongolian Death Worm is like two foot long. Yeah. No, I'm going with Iceland. That thing's huge. And what about you, Jimbo? In honor of the NHL in Seattle, I'm going with the Kraken. Yeah, dude, that's going to yeah. be tough as fuck to beat. That's true. It's one of the biggest cryptids there is. But I'm just going to be a contrarian and uh, super Irish. I'm going to say the Leprechaun is going to fuck y'all up because magic yeah careful he might grant you three wishes or he might <laughs> and not shower you in gold right or he just like <laughs> might arbitrarily not some of these like legends are like some of them you capture him and he grants the witch some of them you capture his gold and he grants the witch some like and, and he's a cobbler like what is that dude <laughs> <laughs> oh and for those of you who don't know not like a peach or an apple cobbler but like a shoe cobbler yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> monsters we have, or excuse me, the cryptids we have, I'm not going to besmirch these fine upstanding citizens and call them monsters. They're just a little misunderstood. We have the Yeti, the Elwitch, the Mongolian Deathworm, the Minho Cow, the Mapinguari, Kraken, Bukit Tima Monkey Man, Leprechaun, Ninjin, Bunny Yip, Yirin, Langaflort, Worm, Ahul, Beast of Bodmin Moor, Loch Ness Monster, and Mingua. <laughs> I don't think half of those are pronounced that way, but it was a lot of fun to say. It's a good effort. <laughs> Dude, I feel kind of like Bruce Lee with that last one. Hey, real quick, <laughs> Chad, do you know uh, in his lifetime what Bruce Lee's favorite thing to drink was? What? What? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, yeah, oh, dude. Wow. The only thing better than a good joke is a really annoying one. <laughs> so, Jim, do you want to walk us through our first bracket? All right. Up first, we have a Yeti versus Elwertrish. All right. So the Yeti is basically Bigfoot, but from Nepal and northern mystical. India. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes by other names like Rock Ape or Metokongmi. And one that uh, most people know is the Abominable Snowman. Oh, oh shit. What was it? Bumblebutt? Is it Bumblebutt? Bumble Snowman. What the hell is that thing called? Bumble. Bumble. Yeah, it is Bumble. <laughs> yeah. Like Bumble from the Red Rudolph show thing. <laughs> That's, I know. I know what 
happy holiday movies are. I had a childhood. Fuck off. <laughs> is it also dirty. Bumble and Ski Free? Dude, that thing is so red. It's got like a T-Rex <laughs> head. I used to purposefully try and get eaten. I used to get so mad every time I got eaten as a kid. I was like... <laughs> Wanted to get through it so bad without. I just want to play the game. Like I just don't want to get eaten. I got eaten every time. <laughs> I honestly, I wondered if the T Rex running game from Google was inspired by that creature because of the shape of its head and everything. But yeah, I remember I used to like try and find the perfect mouse position where you would just like kind of ski at an angle and just by be by default kind of avoid everything. I remember one time I checked back like five minutes later and it was still going. And just like Jim said, all of a sudden out of nowhere, this fucking Sasquatch comes and rips my head <laughs> off. And I'm like, this is not fair. OK, I found a delightful way to cheat and you just steal that from me. <laughs> So, Jim, what interesting things are there to say about the... Oh, and also, uh, I feel like I have to make the disclaimer for anybody who watched WCW as a kid. It's actually pronounced Yeti and not Yete, like Tony Schiavone said. And it doesn't mean that you are a glacial mummy. So just making sure that that caveat is provided before Jim goes off. But it could mean you are a glacial being. So the, the Lechpa people, Lepcha people of the 18th century of, in Nepal, they worshipped Glacier being that was to them a god of the hunt. So already this goes farther back than I think any type of Bigfoot sighting in America. Well, yeah, because Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. So it wasn't even America, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Leif Erikson might have been there and been like, oh, Fjorgen, Bjorgen, Bjorgen, but he wasn't saying Bigfoot was there. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I was racist against the, like, <laughs> they've had it too good for too long. Keep going. <laughs> so one notable sighting, not really sighting, just, just snow prints, but Charles Howard Burry's 1921 Mount Everest expedition, he came across tracks that looked like a barefooted man. And he asked his Sherpa guide what they were, and he said that they must be that of the wild man of the snows. And he named it Metokongmi, which literally translates to man bear and snowman, which is probably where we get abominable snowman from. Hmm. I'm into it. And it looks like a man. So that's some killer branding, right? Yeah. I mean, walks upright, you know, it is tall, though, it's ten and a half foot tall and reddish and black hair, which is interesting. That's one of the things we had talked about off the show was, you know, people depict the abominable snowman, uh, not the abdominal snowman, as a lot of people say, with the six pack and the Harry and the Hendersons and the but they often depict that as white. And it's like, well, how the hell are you supposed to see it with that kind of good camouflage? You need that kind of russet brown. Otherwise, it's just a myth. Right. But uh, I think uh, there has been some encounters where people say they saw something that was white, but majority like 95% or something is, is a bit reddish brown or black hair. You got those dominant versus recessive genes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they just saw, you know, albino, albino yetis. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's been a lot of sightings like all, all through the earth from, you know, the 18th century, all through the 21st century where the 2019 Indian Army mountain, Mountaineering team claims to have spotted Yeti footprints measuring 32 by 15 inches. Damn, son. I wonder how big his hands are if you catch my drift. <laughs> and Chad, who's the Yeti going up against? The Elwittrich. Tell the us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like a chicken with tits. It's from uh, southwest Germany. 
a chicken-like creature with antlers, and it has scales instead of feathers. You know how that Pokemon Jinx is very problematic? I feel like we should just replace it with the chicken with tits, right? I think that's probably, we can all agree that's a better choice. Uh, this yeah. statue of, of the Eldritch reminds me so much of the Jinx, because Jinx got the big lips, too, yep. and the statue has yeah. the big old lips. But at least this I way, it's like it's now. beak, it's not racist. <laughs> like their lips. some of our fans know i started watching dragon ball z kai because i have so much free time and i was like curious how it ended because i never finished it every time mr popo comes on the screen i'm like oh god i hope nobody looks over my shoulder and sees me watching this <laughs> so is there anything fun about the elwert trich besides the fact that it's basically like what the North American snipe kind of is in terms of the culture where it's like, oh, let's go on a snipe hunt, even though we know that there's no snipe to hunt. Yeah, there's not much. I mean, they say the origins of it is from crossbreeding between t- chickens, ducks, geese and goblins and elves. Hell so yeah. Be horny. You know, them elves be fucking. Yep. Actually, especially if you watch those Hobbit movies where she's like, hey, let me suck your dwarf member. Remember that? That's weird. You know what I'm talking about? Give me blank stares. Yeah, because it's not in the goddamn book. Move on. But we had talked about it had both scales and feathers. And just the way that it's kind of descriptive reminded me of the Snallygaster from North America. But what's interesting about that is the Snallygaster was made by Germanic people in North America. So it's kind of the best. But then this is like the hokey redneck original version where it's just like, oh, this is the rough draft where it's not badass and shitting lightning. Right. So who wants to go first? The rules for the competition are we have to have a quorum of at least two votes to see who's going to win to advance in the bracket. So, I mean, I think it's clear victory. I think that the chicken with tits is going to beat the Yeti, but I don't want to speak for the whole team. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one because you have to give it to the Yeti or I guess it's an easy one, but you can't even kind of make it a fair fight. It's 10 feet tall versus a scaly chicken. Oh, but what about uh, this? Let me give you a scenario where it's like, bark, bark, and it's like groping itself. And then Bigfoot's like, and he gets like, an, like a, a, an erection, right? But it's a, it's a snow <laughs> erection. So the Eldritch Chitch grabs his dick, snaps it off like an icicle and stabs him with it. <laughs> that would still have to be a big dick to take him out. So, well, you saw how big his fucking feet were. How big are his hands? We need this question answered. <laughs> But yes, I think we have a very clear agreement that the Yeti would progress. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jimbo, what's our next pairing? Our next pairing is the Mongolian Deathworm and the Minhoka. So I'm a big fan of the Mongolian Deathworm, even though it's not big. And what's frustrating is the Minhoka is very big, according to certain myths and legends. So I think the Mongolian deathworm is going to have a slight advantage in certain ways. Some of the depictions involve it having an exoskeleton, despite the fact that it's a worm. So it almost has more, you know, centipedal kind of features, which you got armor plating and stuff. It's pretty sexy. It's pretty cool. We had all talked about the fact that it looks kind of like one of the sandworms from Dune, just a little tiny bitty size. And I have to make a, a shout out to Shy Halud, the band that I love seeing people try and figure out what it means. It's just literally from the book dune but it's predominantly (laughs) from the gobi desert of mongolia and has red skin that is venomous to the touch mongolian prime minister damn dims de bazaar in 1922 described the worm as 
It is shaped like a sausage, about two feet long, has no head nor leg, and it is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in most desolate parts of Gobi Desert, and it travels underneath the sand, creating the ripples as it moves, which we know now is actually caused by wind. Oh. And it also has an electrical discharge, much like a cranky Pikachu. Roy Chapman Andrews, in his 1926 book On the Trail of Ancient Man, also went through the history of the Mongolian deathworm. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it, it preys upon camels and lays its eggs in its guts. So imagine this scenario where it's pulling like a Luke Skywalker in the Tauntaun and then you're, you're like you're cozying up there later so you don't get frozen to death in the desert. And then you feel this on your neck. And you're like, oh, no, it's too late. Can't grab my lightsaber. Dead. <laughs> How are you going to beat that, Jimbo? I am so disappointed that it's only two foot long. <laughs> yeah. But it's potent, man. Yeah, right. It's only two feet long, she said. <laughs> I was, but yeah so when I was researching I'm like immediately the first thing I wrote was sandworm from dune and you know and then as as I read more and more I'm like oh it's two feet long <laughs> yeah so actually Russian scientists claim that they actually found a dead specimen back in 1972 but then the specimen disappeared so that's totally oh, okay. legit because Russia never lies so it's out there <laughs> Maybe if Putin gets another term, he'll let us know about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, what do you got to say about the Minhoakau? The Minhoakau is a amphibian monster from Bolivia, Grazia, Nicaragua, and Uruguay. And Brazil. Wow. Oh, Brazil. So it has a layer in a deep pool, and um, it's believed to be, I guess a lot of people believe it to be a hippopotamus. Do you want it for Christmas? Actually, yes, I'd love a cryptid for Christmas. Ooh, that's a way better song. I, because now I can sing cryptid for Christmas like mistress for Christmas instead of that annoying song with a little girl who's like, hopopotamuses. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. My brain is dumb. <laughs> it was first discovered, or not first discovered, but first described to European explorers and naturalists in the 19th century by the locals in Brazil. 1846, no big deal. Yeah. Long time ago. <laughs> The people of Brazil say that it would, it would take horses and horned cattle into the water. And then sightings of it, people say that it's basically a gigantic worm, <clears throat> 50 yards in length by five in, in width. And it's covered in bones like a coat of mail. Other sightings say it's 30 to 40 foot long. There's other people that say it has horns. Most people say it, it lives underwater and it takes under cattle and horses. Kind of does the whole crocodile thing. Let the water do the work for you, right? Right. Uh, one sighting says that it had a snout like a pig, which kind of kind of goes back to the the hippopotamus look like, right? Exactly. Kind of got a big snout <laughs> for sure. There's a lot of people have uh, laid blame on it, saying that it damages roads and makes big trenches in the ground, but without sightings of it. So they kind of blaming it for you know nature. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it definitely walks across roads. And you're like, but you've never even seen it not on a road. So how can you definitively say it was yeah. on a road? <laughs> 
So let's get into the competition between the two of them. So the way I described it to you guys is you basically have your Mongolian death worm, who's this tiny but fierce kind of Swiss army knife of a cryptid. And then you have this just giant bludgeoning instrument with this Minhuaka or what, however we're pronouncing it. No big deal. Nobody's going to judge me for getting it wrong. What do you think? I personally, I'm going to go ahead and say the Mongolian death worm. And I'll tell you why. Because you might lose the battle, but you win the war, right? So he might die in the Minhua cow's guts, right? Suffocating to death. But the poison and electricity kills the big guy. And I feel like that's winning the war. I don't know. I mean, if he's covered in bone, I don't know if the poison's going to go through the actual bone armor. But he's inside of him. He doesn't have to eat him. What else he is he going to do? He's a giant he's hippopotamus face. Tall. <laughs> or long. Exactly. He's going to pop him in his mouth like a bit of sushi and then he'll go, oh, this is bad. Get Montezuma's revenge. slowly roll over him and not even notice. <laughs> so are, are you guys... Are you guys at stalemate then? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just love Chad's idea. Like this is like he's like a Snorlax. I don't know why I'm making Pokemon references. What the fuck is wrong with my brain? But he's just like, fuck. Uh, do I have to get up for this fight? Oh shit! What's this smeared all over my chest? Oh fuck! Is that Mongolia Deathworm again? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll be the tiebreaker because the Mongolian Deathworm can kill at a distance with electrical discharge. And when you're in water, you don't want any electrical discharge. Boom. All right. Take that suck up. <laughs> but I know that I'm going to pay for that later and I'm going to need somebody on my side and it's not going to work. So don't. I'm not going to alienate you too far, Chad. So, Chad, what's our next pairing? We have the Mapping Guari, whatever, and mm -hmm. the Kraken. So the Mapinguari is weird, and it is yes. one of those cryptids that varies crazy wildly to the point where one of the versions I saw, it literally from the Battle Beyond the Stars, where I think I described it on an earlier episode as uh, vagina dentata tummy, where it, like, it had like this very <laughs> vaginal mouth with like one eye where the clitoris would be, but the rest of it was like a giant two-toed sloth from La Brea Tar Pits. And then I've seen other ones where it's just kind of like a bear. So please, anybody help me try and figure out this grotesque creature. I mean, this one's kind of nice because it's uh, you kind of score points for creativity where a lot of these other cryptids yeah. are very similar. And this one, you're at least like, oh, that's kind of way out there. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. For just being batshit crazy off the walls. Exactly. <laughs> this is like one of those ones it? where it's like a bunch of games of one-upsmanship where it's a bunch of guys around a fire, right? And like, I was walking through the forest and I saw this creature and it had pointy claws. And the other guy's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that shit. I saw that shit. And it had a pussy with a bunch of teeth on its stomach. And the other guy was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that shit. And it also had one eyeball. And yeah. <laughs> it's like an improv comedian's worst nightmare of yes and. <laughs> so one of the, the interesting things is the kind of mythology behind it is that there is an Amazonian shaman who discovered the key to immortality and he angered the god so much with his discovery that he was punished by being transformed into a beast. So he's got That's magic cool. shit too. Yeah. I don't, so I don't know if he has magic shit. He was on the receiving end of magic shit. Well, you said he was a shaman, right? Oh, I guess so, yeah. And he's now immortal, so Dude. he's going to live forever. As That's a good point. 
So yeah. another interesting thing is uh, the older sightings had it described as more of ape-like, and the new modern sightings have been that it's more of like a giant sloth. Yeah. But is that because they discovered the bones of a giant sloth? Yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a darker fur on the top, dark sloth with like the white underbelly fur, and so they're di- you know they're just like, oh, it's a giant mouth. <laughs> There you go. Speaking of the belly, somebody told investigator Paolo Anibal G. Mesquita that it had a, quote, extremely foul odor from its belly. So um, that's all I'm just saying is maybe we should get oh this fella God. a douche. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. <laughs> Some vagititis or whatever it's called. But yeah, who's it going up against, Jimbo? Unfortunately for the Mapinguari, it's going up against the Kraken. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on just <laughs> basically so, god mode yeah yep so the kraken if you don't know is scandinavian folklore so it's a cephalopod like sea monster basically a giant squid or octopus if you want to think of it that way it's often depicted as taking down entire ships off the coast of norway and greenland and the earliest written description of it we have from 1250 hmm that's old. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's a reference also in Moby Dick, where one of the sailors says, few who encounter it ever live to tell the tale. And older references to it often have features of crabs or large whales. So it's not just a giant squid. or not just referred to as a giant squid. Yeah. And one of the things I found really interesting in some of the research here is I was just an idiot and I just took Clash of the Titans as sacrosanct because everything in that movie is irrefutably perfect. And <laughs> when they're like, oh, Kraken, I was like, hell yeah, this is a Grecian beast. Then I see Scandinavian. I'm like, hold on. That's weird. Uh, so there is some ambiguity there because uh, a lot of Poseidon's creatures were just monsters. And so they uh, like assigned the word Kraken, but it's not really correct. It, basically, what they were going to say is release the sea monster, but Kraken just had a cooler sound to it. I feel like it's kind of trans. It's just so old and, and so integral to sea monster myth that it's kind of transcended where it's come from. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's one of those things where it's it also is vague enough to fit other lore. You know, like it is just a big octopus in its essence. So it it does fit with so many other things. And if you look at some old depictions of sea monsters, you have everything from like a goat's headed fish to the kraken. So there's a very wide yeah. spectrum of sea monsters. So I really love the kraken. I think that it's super cool that the you know Seattle is going to use that as their NHL team name. Wish that the I was telling one of my buddies this. I really wish that the logo leaned more into the weird instead of just being a tentacle S. Like I would really love like, you know, some goopy shit and like a broken ship crumbling or something. But I obviously a bit extra. I really like the logo. I like the negative space tentacle and the S is really cool. And then the the anchor, I don't know if you noticed the anchor, but like the center the top needle. piece is a space needle. It's well. super subtle, but like definitely a space needle. So this is my thing. I wish that the S was the shoulder alternative logo and they had something a little bit more because I do That's like it. More, yeah. yeah, but it's one of those things that's so vague in detail. You could shrink it to super teeny tiny size and can still tell what it is. So. Right. But that's, a, I mean, here's the thing, though. It's like they're going to have alternatives. They're going to have outdoor oh, yeah. game jerseys. They're going to, you know, they have the Winter Classic jerseys. They're going to have so many di- opportunities for different jerseys. So it, it'll be cool to see. Hopefully they'll, they'll kind of get weird. But from a design, like design porn 
aspect. Like it's super clean, and the colors that they chose. Oh, perfect colors! Like, I know people are like navy blue, whatever, but the 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 secondary color like is perfect. It's so good, very good. I just googled uh, NHL, so now I know what you guys are talking about. Oh yeah, yeah it just came out <laughs> literally. So as of the day of recording this, that's where it comes it out. out today. Yeah, yeah. What, Jen, what, you could also refer to them as the the rainy city bitch pigeons. Which those graphics oh, are okay. amazing, <laughs> and honestly, like I'm kind of disappointed. That that's up. not it. Like <laughs> literally, right that's like the best freelance graphic ever. Like that guy basically ruled ass over the internet. He like made a bunch of money off shirts too. But anyway, let's converge back on the battle itself. I don't think that the shaman and his vagina chest have any chance against the Kraken. Do we have a unanimous decision? Yes. Yes. Even though it's immortal, it's just going to live in his stomach for real this time. <laughs> yeah, just like I always love when people are like, oh, the Sarlacc pit where you're going to be digested for a thousand years. It's like, dude, you die of starvation in like 50 days or whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> so the next is the Bukit Tima Monkey Man versus the Leprechaun. This is going to be <laughs> insanity and I might lose friendships over my virulent rhetoric that I will espouse <laughs> upon you. So who wants to take the Monkey Man? So the monkey man comes from Singapore in the forested Bukit Tema region, whatever. Forest dwelling hominid or primate, grayish in color and three to six feet in height. Bipedal. Face of a monkey and walks upright like a man. So Interesting. Is this anything like the monkey king? Because if you know a lot of your Asian lore, there's the whole journey west and there's the monkey king who basically is the template for Son Goku in the original Dragon Ball series. And there's a lot of really, really interesting media about it. And a lot of it varies wildly in terms of quality. But it's just something that we kind of vaguely have here, but not really. So is that kind of what we're talking about? I don't think so. I think it's completely separate because Monkey King is, is so much mythology. Yeah. And not like folklore, but like uh, it's like an archetype character of their. Exactly. He's, you know, you know, also he's like born out of the elements fusing into a stone egg, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that that gets way too far into mysticism to be fair in terms of a hand to hand combat. So, so this one is definitely like a sighting, like <laughs> something <laughs> bigger than a monkey. It looks like a, a more like a man in stature but with a face of a monkey. Yeah. And I, I also have to point out that I, I can't help but say bucket to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's going up against the leprechaun, which the leprechaun's frustrating because I'm going to try and be fair here because when you have magic, you can just kind of go like, all right, well, it's just, it's a broken system, you know? But if you go to the original mysticism and you look at the cryptid rather than the folklore, right? So we're talking about a diminutive person who used to wear red until the 20th century where they started wearing green, very similar to like the Latin duende. It's a small man. Uh, very often it's a cobbler and a very resourceful person and always, always described as mischievous, whether, you know, he's trying to murder Jennifer Aniston or he's trying to, <laughs> you know, steal your gold. There's always something kind of a muck there in terms of violence. You don't really see a history of violence. You see a history of tomfoolery. So that's like the one thing kind of against him. But then again, you know, there's nothing necessarily vicious about the monkey man. So I'm obviously going to go with the leprechaun because part of his tactic is to be evasive and he does have magic to fall back on. So even if he gets like, let's say, you know, monkey man gets him in a rear naked choke and he's like, tap out pussy. 
And he's like, I'll give you three wishes. <laughs> he gets out every time. That's a win, right? Yeah. See? But then it's like, remember the movie Bedazzled, where like Brendan Fraser's huge, but he's got a small dick? That's what happens. <laughs> so the monkey's man's like, yeah, I wish I was huge. And then he's got a small dick. And literally, he just walks out in the desert and starves himself to death out of shame. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with the leprechaun, though. I, I feel like I look at the leprechaun as being exceedingly mischievous and clever to the point where I know monkeys are, are exceptionally strong and kind of can be vicious, but we don't really know much about this these sightings for this particular one. So I'm going to go with the uh, leprechaun. Chet, yeah. anecdotally, did you have one? Yeah, I would go to leprechaun mainly for its intelligence. Like, even if you left the magic out, I think that that would kind of throw it over. That's a good point. And, I mean, he's got a little hammer for his shoemaking. <laughs> he comes with a default weapon. So let's move on to the Ninjen versus the Bunny Yip. This is a very bizarre combination, and I'm very enamored with it. So the Ninjen is probably one of my favorite ones just because it's so damn creepy yeah dude it's like the <laughs> slender man of creepy little like waddling monsters it looks it like really a walking is. sperm yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> that second picture you put in there looks ridiculous <laughs> and i saw so many they vary incredibly yeah. wildly so for those of you who obviously can't access our notes jim put one in where it's basically a merman where it's these creepy arms and the slit mouth and then like a tail but then the one i have is literally just legs and then a face where the penis would be and it's a sad mopey little like face a that pac looks like pac-man head it yeah. looks like strong sad from homestar runner dude it's yeah. creepy as shit so the ninja is supposed to be in the oceans of antarctica and southern asia it's anywhere from 20 to 30 feet long has smooth pale white skin vaguely resembles a human head torso and appendages but with a mermaid like tail rather than hind legs except for when it doesn't because it has hind legs and a pac-man head <laughs> <laughs> but all sightings say no distinct facial features except for two huge eyes and a mouth-like slit. So yeah, so this is actually a more recent cryptid sighting. You know what? Maybe it's like a tadpole. It like gains its legs after. <laughs> <laughs> Moves on to land. The Google Maps <laughs> image that you see of it, it looks just like a white wave. It's very odd that that got the kind of global credit that it did. But this is one where, I, you know, we had previously in the last episode we did like this, talked about the terrain being really important. And apparently terrain doesn't matter because either he could just have a tail or he could have just legs. But it seems like he's kind of at a disadvantage either place, right? Yeah. So you compare that with the bunny yip, which is the Australian Aboriginal myth. And basically it's like a saber-toothed tiger hippo, and I'm kind of into it. So it's semi-aquatic amphibious. Some people think that it's basically just a like large seal or a dog, but then some of them have like these really long necks and tiny heads. But in either situation, they have really big ears, really big whiskers, really like long, sharp teeth, and they vary in size. I've seen them as small as four feet, and I've seen them as big as like six meters. So it's a huge disparity, but it literally bunny yip translates to devil or evil spirit, which I think is pretty badass i really like this one i the something about like aboriginal sightings and, and this kind of lore stuff that always gets me like the skinwalkers for oh yeah because you know, yeah. so this was cool it has a really cool picture on wikipedia 
of what it could look like of it, like eating a human. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, did you see yeah. that in 1851, an Australian newspaper called The Australasian published a report where a bunny yip was speared to death after it killed an Aboriginal man? So that's a pretty recent, I mean, albeit relative, recent sighting of it. And so I guess it does have a weakness when it comes to tools and whatnot, but I don't feel like our friend, the sperm leg, has that kind <laughs> of wherewithal. No. Yeah, I mean, this thing is also, it's like everyone says it's a predator and will eat humans and stuff. So it just seems more vicious as well. It's a cool matchup, too, because this is an amphibious animal. Yeah. So it has, it's lakes, rivers, swamps, and it's supposed to be a very swift swimmer. The legends that portray it is it's apparently a bloodthirsty predator of humans. Whereas we have the creep factor with the ninjin. <laughs> yeah. But just as far as going head or toe to toe, the bunyip is going to win. I agree. Do we have a quorum, gentlemen? We do. Here, here. What's our next matchup, Chad? The Yeren? How do you say that? And then the, my giant trimmer, <laughs> the lock, <laughs> whatever worm. The larger fleort. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So the Yaren is creepy as fuck. It is. Yes. This is very similar to the Yeti in a sense, except this is in China and eastern eastern part of China. It's similar to Bigfoot almost in a way. It's it, it's kind of like let's say it's a different side of the same coin. It's called a bear-like man or a man monkey. It's it's more commonly referred to as the Chinese wild man. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> so based on that alone, I have a feeling this has a very unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this has been there's been over 400 sightings. The Chinese government has conducted searches for it. There's a news article in 1980 of a story of a woman who claimed to have been kidnapped by one for 27 <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it gets it gets bizarre you know she Sex was impregnated oh yeah <laughs> her offspring died at age 22 that was a uh, 20 years before the article was released though that is a long time and right. there was an analysis of his bones supposedly showed characteristics of both man and ape so, so did that woman raise that that child <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure this was reported in a reputable of uh, course. science journal but you know <laughs> Well, you know, honestly, she's not a very she's not a capitalist, if you will, because if she was, that thing would have been on tour more than the fucking King Tut tomb, right? <laughs> I'd be like, hey, look at my fucking creepy son. Give me a bunch of money. But it's physically described as being basically a man with super long arms, really large hands and feet. You have some feral teeth that, that kind of vary. Sometimes they have more fangs and sometimes they have. I'm sure you've seen those statues of like lions outside of you know, a, a Buddhist temple where it's like those tusk kind of teeth that go out in opposite directions. Oh, yeah. And so just those are very interesting in that slight variation. Kind of funny because if you go back to the Yeti, this also has reddish hair. With some sightings having white hair. Huh. There you go. Maybe he gets old enough. You know, he, yeah, he goes gray. I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Seriously, yeah. just for <laughs> urines. <laughs> so, Chad, you want to talk about your Lagerflort worm? The Iceland worm? That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's called the Icelandic. Uh, uh, there was a book called the Icelandic Folk Fairy Tales. Um, by May and Halberg. 
I don't know, uh, that described the folklore origin of the worm. And basically, a woman was living on a farm in the Larkin Foreman district, <laughs> <laughs> close to a stream where she, uh, I don't know, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. so she is living there she says that she sees this creature and it's this snake this woman advises her daughter to take a gold ring and lure it that way she hides it in a linen chest underneath the gold ring which somehow keeps it weighted down and they kept it like locked away from the world and then it began to kill both people and animals crossing the water when it escaped now here's the one really interesting thing canonically the government of Fjorgenbjorg or wherever the hell in Iceland had a truth committee form to prove or disprove the existence of this thing based on some footage it exists officially the government recognizes this as a truly existing cryptid Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude. So basically, if you look at the footage, a lot of people are like, dude, it's just a fishing net under the water. It's not serpentining. It's just like fabric flowing. But they had a group of people research this over a period of years. And seven <laughs> of those people were like, nope, totes real, brah. And so some dude named Hjortger Kjordrulf was a farmer who recorded the video got paid 500 grand even though some people were like this is bullshit because the truth committee was like nah it's totally real <laughs> so it's my fight. it warms the cockles of my heart <laughs> to think so that money was split seven ways is what you're saying yeah right <laughs> or eight ways eight ways yeah <laughs> So that's basically it. It's just another large sea serpent, but hey, it's kind of cool. Its history can go back as far as 1345, which is interesting. Yeah, but this thing also gets to be 300 feet long. Yeah. That's pretty big. And we already have one Yeti, so that's kind of a problem. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of worry that we're going to end up in a finale where it's the Kraken versus this guy, but I feel like the Kjorgen Fjorgenberg worm might be the winner of this one. I agree. Jimmy? Yeah, same here. Okay, I'm going to pause. We're back to recording. I had to take an emergency bathroom break. Have you ever had it where the water in the toilet bowl kind of does this like, because it's trying to gurgle around your shit log? No. It started to kind of sound it sounds like what Jimmy's pouring right now. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it sounded almost like a round of applause because it had that kind of percussion to it. It's like, oh, go, 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 go. so <laughs> I feel pretty heroic with my colon right now. Let's move on to the Ahul instead of talking about my Ahul. asshole against the beast of Bodmin Moor. So the Ahul is pretty interesting. It's actually been adopted into D&D lore, specifically fifth edition, where it's just basically a giant bat. First seen in Indonesia in 1925 by Ernest Bartels, who's the son of ornithologist M.E.G. Bartels. He was exploring some waterfalls in the Salic Mountains, and then a giant bat flew directly over his head. Pretty exciting. Uh, apparently, its face resembles the mix of a chimpanzee and a bat with large dark eyes and red-skinned wings with large claws and gray fur. Wingspan I saw was crazy in variance from 10 feet to 28 feet. What I think is interesting is basically, you know that a chimpanzee fucked a bat, and that's how this thing came to be. COVID? <laughs> oh! <laughs> there it is. 
<laughs> so yeah, I like I like this one like gigantic bat that you know twenty eight foot wingspan is insane and it engulfs its victims when it bites it. Yeah, man, it basically like puts them in a chrysalis of pain. <laughs> when I was reading about this one, I, like all of this info is like, okay, it sounds cool. It sounds cool. Like that's terrifying. Like all these these instances of it, and there's these this guy seeing it, and then. And then there was one <laughs> that was describing what it sounds like. And he said, it, it's, he goes, you know, it, it sounded like a hool. <laughs> so its name is an onomatopoeia? Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell like if they were just taking the piss or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, when I look at it, I just think of like the world's largest bat, which is like the, what do you call it? Like the flying fox or whatever. And that thing's pretty huge. I've seen one of those in real life. They are freaking nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. Maybe it was just one of those. It's just a little bigger. (laughs) Yeah, with like a smushed face. Right. So Chad, who we got on the other side of this bracket? The Phantom Wildcat, a panther-like with black fur, and it killed or maimed many livestock. So it doesn't kill people. Lame. The government denies its existence of large cats in England. So I think this is just some rich guy that imported a panther. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. there is some credence to that. There, oh, there really is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in one of the skulls that they found for what would be the beast of Bodmin Moor, there was an egg case inside, which would have been a tropical cockroach. And when they found it, there were also cut marks on the skull indicating it had been scraped with a knife. So people are like, yeah, this is not just something that was found. This was definitively placed. Oh, interesting. But a lot of the stuff I read about this one, it was very similar to, if you remember our North American cryptids, where people were like, oh, basically everything from the Jersey Devil to the Frogmen, whatever, are just kangaroos that got let loose. A lot of the stuff here was like, yeah, it was just one cat that was let loose. Right. So there's a lot of like controversy where livestock was being killed or maimed and it kept happening. And then the government basically where it says government denies the existence. They kept coming out and saying like, yeah, there's no there's no big cats. Like it looks like it, but there's no evidence of big cats. But it kept happening at a rate where there was like for a population, like the amount of time that it happened over the population would have had to been self-sustaining. You oh, know? that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So it was like maybe there was like this is where like somebody was bringing them in and like kept they kept getting out like over a period of years or something. I put it this way. If the population was big enough to be self-sustaining and, and repopulating that somebody would have found one. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But it, it is an interesting dynamic where it's like it keeps happening and they're saying that nothing's happening. There's no big cats, but something's obviously killing these things. So what's going on? Well, I think the government's trying to sound like they're covering up big cats instead of the truth, which is UFOs. (laughs) So basically, you have a big cat versus the other big bat. (laughs) So I don't know. I've I would imagine the big bat wins. I've seen a lot of bat hybrid creature things. Man bat famously comes to mind. Morbius, the living vampire, comes to mind. And I'm always inclined to kind of side with them. So I hope I don't want to sound too biased. Also, more of a dog person myself, if I may say so. <laughs> I'm more of a dog person, but uh, I see a lot of cats eat birds and bats and junk. So I'll go with the panther. Wow. Tiebreaker, Jim. I'm going with the bat. I like I like the big bat. I like big bats and I cannot lie. <laughs> Jim, what's our next matchup? Our next matchup is the Loch Ness Monster versus the Mingua. Nessie! 
So, Chad, I think this was your favorite one, if I remember correct, from the last episode. I could not remember correctly because my brain is a bucket of piss and shit swirled together. I can't with- remember at all. <laughs> so we'll just say it was definitively, canonically, your favorite cryptid. And why don't you tell us about Nessie? Well, it's probably one of the most famous cryptids that... I think is still like searched for even now. Loch Ness in Scotland, a large long neck with uh, one or more humps that protrude from the water. Uh, It was first mentioned all the way back in 565. I can't even fathom that. Yeah, dude. By St. Columba, (laughs) which when I hear that name, I just think of Columbo, the investigator, and he's got the eyebrows and the squinty eyes. And he's like, no, I saw it. It's just big monster in the water <laughs> yeah, i don't know if that's a good columbo re- like impersonation i'm realizing as i say it out loud so uh saint columbo was at the lock and he saw these locals burying a man and they asked about what it was and he said this guy was attacked by a water beast so he sent one of his followers to swim across the river where the beast approached him so columbo made a cross with his fingers and said do not touch the man go back at once and the creature fled <laughs> Ooh. So there's been a lot of sightings on it too. There's you know 1800, 1871, 1888. And then the most famous ones. Obviously, the most famous photo was from 1934, but there's multiple sightings in 1933 and in 1934 before that photo was taken. And we know now that that photo is faked. But yeah, right. Big <laughs> <laughs> but. So there's been so many different expeditions. There's been multiple sonar readings that have seen large objects keep pace with the vessels at like like 500 feet deep, and they it followed the boat for 2,600 feet before losing contact. There's lots of pictures, lots of videos, all the way from 1938 through 1977. And to Jim, your um, point earlier, the 1934 photo. If you want to Google it, just Google surgeon's photograph. Right. He was a gynecologist, but it's okay. Hey, you know, hey. <laughs> he's an expert in things that smell like fish. <laughs> that was mean spirited. I don't I appreciate that. That's the second smelly vagina joke we've had. Both from you. <laughs> well, I just said, <laughs> please, God, never let my wife hear this episode. I will add a disclaimer. Hers is the exception to the rule. Every other one, though. So, you know, the- bad women's anatomy, whatnot. That's my one of oh, my favorite yeah. subreddits. I lose a little bit of faith in humanity every time I see something from that subreddit pop up on my feed. Oh, dude, it's so it's sad. So just as a disclaimer, we all know, like, I'm super libtarded and I'm all about women. And I hope you understand this is just me trying to be a provocateur. And I'm just trying to say things. And I just want you to know I love women. Uh, smelly vaginas are great. Every vagina needs love, whether it's got some tang to it or whatnot. Uh, I'm going to move on. But just know that this is me doing a caricature of those people. I'm the good guy. They're the bad guy. So there's a lot of expeditions that have been embarked upon to find Nessie. So there's the Edward Mountain Expedition in 1934. 20 men with binoculars and cameras positioned around the lock from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. for five weeks. Which is just a terrible time. Don't they know how cryptids (laughs) work? Nobody wants to be up from (laughs) 9 to 6. So there is the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau from 1962 to 1972. It's a UK-based society formed to encourage groups of self-funded volunteers to watch the lock from vantage points. 
There's sonar studies from 1967 to 1968. There's a Robert Ryan studies in 1972, strength huh. rodents of unusual size that's what struck in my brain too <laughs> yeah there's a show called searching for the Loch Ness in 2003 on bbc where bbc sponsored a search using 600 sonar beams and satellite tracking the search had sufficient resolution to identify a small buoy and no animal <laughs> sub substantial size was found in 2018 there was a dna survey of the lake where an international team used DNA samples to look for unusual species species in the lake, and the results were published in 2019. There is no DNA of large fish such as sharks, surges, or catfish, but there is no otter or seal DNA either, only a lot of eel DNA. Hmm. Ah, so it's a large eel, or it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of Bigfoot, well, uh, Nessie is probably the biggest cryptid right i would definitely agree yeah as far as public public knowledge i think the chupacabra has yeah. definitely gained traction in the past few oh, years yeah. but i mean it's still nowhere near the same i think there's a certain camp element that you get kind of more fringe people but like they don't have children's movies about the chupacabra they have them about nessie magic in the water and stuff so it's going up against the mingua which is another big cat uh, this one's interesting because Google kept trying to say, did you mean manga? And I was like, no, I don't have time to masturbate right now. I want to look up the big cat. But it translates to the strange one or the great gray ghost, which, you know, it's from Tanganyika, now known as Tanzania, and it's the size of a donkey. There are historical references to it as far back as the early 1900s. And, you know, it's basically a big cat. So the big issue we're going to have here is what's the terrain? I would propose that we have 50% water, 50% land, something like a beach scenario. And I think that this is one where the size alone is going to be a huge factor. Yeah, I think Nessie has to take this one for size. And I think Nessie can breathe on land too, right? Doesn't even hold its breath or i have no idea well the idea that it would breach its head like that would suggest that it has like lungs and not simply gills so i would assume it has something like that but i don't know yeah i think this is probably the weakest of the matchups that we've had and i would have to go on size alone i feel like it's like a little cat going up against like a brontosaurus or something right <laughs> and then you, you factor in the water like it's just gonna like hold the mungwa's head underwater like in shallow water and just drown it where's my money where's my money blah, 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 blah. so yeah i think that we have a unanimous decision for the loch ness monster so let's move on to the next bracket you have the yeti versus the mongolian death worm i feel like you have the same problems where the mongolian death worm is basically having well, a very infinitesimal size a huge arsenal to rely upon where basically the yeti's best defense is that it might smell a little funny and have a lot of fur True. I don't know. I mean, can the Yeti use a giant stick and smash yeah. it? <laughs> I'll give it that. I'll give him the ability to use tools. He's a primate of some sort. He's got opposable thumbs. Right. And he knows how to use them. 
But I mean, so uh, even then, he's basically going to be a hand-on-hand barbarian-style fighter versus something almost like a mage when it comes to the Mongolian Deathworm because he's got his electricity, he's got his poison. So unless you're using that tool specifically, if you touch him, you're in a bad situation. So I will personally say the Mongolian death worm, but it does not offend my sensibilities that if armed with the right tool, the Yete could do some damage. I feel like I might go with the Mongolian death worm just for the fact that it's somewhat small. And if you're in a desert environment, it's going under the sand. Mm -hmm. And if you're up in the snow, you might, you know, maybe it can go through the snow too. element of surprise. Snow is similar to sand, except for its temperature. (laughs) (laughs) So we move on and we have the Kraken versus the Leprechaun. And this is my favorite pairing. It cracks me up. It crackens me up, my friends. Wow. (laughs) So I want to say the Leprechaun, but you know I'll be trolling you guys if I say so. Yes. Come on. He's like, me gold, me gold. And the Kraken just like, and you have the sound of like the horns as the Leviathan plunges him underwater. And Zeus is there going, holy shit. Who sanctioned this? Yeah, right. So Uh, the Kraken wins. Let's move on. Yeah. Then we had the bunny yip versus the langer flagort worm. That's an interesting one because I imagine that you'd have something like shallow water. And so you have this worm. It's incredibly long. But then you have this you know, pseudo terrestrial giant hippo saber tooth thing. I like this pairing. I think that I would like the bunny yip to win if only because we already have a giant aquatic beast who's going to fuck shit up with the Kraken and maybe Nessie. Yeah, and I think it has the tools with like big mouth and sharper teeth and stuff. So I think it would actually work. Okay, Morrissey, talking about big mouth striking <laughs> again over here. Am I right? Ho yo, 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 yo. Chad's like, what's music? That's dumb. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Chad? So you guys, or you Jim? Both, so you guys both say bunyip? Yeah, yes. I think so. Okay. I was going to go with the worm because I'm practical, <laughs> but you guys overrode me. So there we go overrode you all night long anyway next was the ahul versus nesse and this is a very weird combat scenario where you have air versus water so i i'm going with the ahul because i just imagine it grasping it out of the water and flying like 100 feet up and just dropping it and we get like a big ass pancake nessie Is it that big to pick up Nessie, though? I don't know. 28-foot wingspan. That's huge. I don't know. How big is Nessie? That's one of the things that varies so much because people have often proffered that it's just like a giant worm creature. But then there's some where it's basically like that kind of dinosaur with the long neck and then the huge torso. But even in that scenario, like if you have bat wings, you're like it goes to how Nessie could grab and pull the Ahul at least onto the water, if not under. Basically, he only has his head, and his head is a weakness because you can bite the throat, you can bite the eyes, you you could do damage to its best weapon. So I'm going to go with Yahul, even though it might be impractical. Like the, You have to be on your best game to use a sensitive part of your body as your weapon to rip something out of the sky and submerge it underwater. Okay, I'll go with that then. Boom! Jim, what's our next pairing? 
Uh, next up, we have the Mongolian Deathworm versus the Kraken. This is a tough one. I just really want this worm to die because you got every time you guys are like I want the worm. <laughs> so this one, I think I have to win this. <laughs> yeah, I concede that even on his best day, even if he's incredibly potent in his poison and electricity, the Kraken is like this insurmountable demigod of monstrosity. I think that I'm just gonna concede that he'll probably win. <laughs> yeah. If I can give you like a uh, an analogy, the daddy long leg spider has super venomous poison, but it's so small that if it were to bite a human, it would do nothing, right? I feel like the same thing for the Mongolian deathworm versus Kraken. Like, it's just not effective. You know, there's one yeah. species of quote unquote daddy long leg spider that will rip its legs off and throw it at its enemies to distract them as it escapes, <laughs> but it oh. never grows those legs back. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, how like fucking weird is there. that, right? <laughs> Oh, evolution is amazing. Oh, like that uh, bearded lizard that shoots poisonous venom that's its own eye blood? Dude, I love the world. <laughs> so, Jim, what do you think? Are, are we finally conceding that the Mongolian death worm is no moss? Yeah, it's come to its inevitable doom. Thank you. Som wom wom. So then we have the bunny yip versus the ahul, which is an interesting pairing in and of itself. While I would personally root for the ahul, it's a lot tougher because the way that I've read the bunny yip being described, it's a very dense creature that's also much more agile and has claws and a mouth. So you don't run into the same issue as Nessie where it can right. only grab with one thing. This, it can bite, it can claw, it can pull. So yeah. Nessie has no offensive tools really, but the bunny yip definitely does. Yeah. Also, there's versions of the bunyip that actually have like horns and stuff, too. So that's another weapon that it could use at its disposal. And if it shreds those wings, the ahul is not going to be as effective. That's my pitch. I think I'm going to go with the bunyip. I agree, especially if it's like similar to a hippo with like the thickness of skin and stuff. They're devastating beasts. So I would have to go with the bunyip, too. Jim, what yeah. would you have said if it mattered? We've talked, <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot about the, the wingspan of the ahul, but the wingspan compared to the body ratio, the bunyip probably is still has a bigger body than the ahul. And while the ahul might have some advantage, I think that the density and the ferocity of the, the bunyip would win. So that puts us with the bunyip versus the kraken. Oh boy, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> so I'll say this. If it was just in terms of like the same size ratio... That would be so exciting because this is basically Kong Skull Island where you have those squid things versus Kong. That was a You're fucking right. awesome scene. But if we go by what their actual size is, this is so unfair. I'm I'm going to protest and circulate a petition to redo it. <laughs> what do y'all think? Kraken for sure. Yeah. I mean, come on. The arms. The sheer size of it. Right. And what do you think, Jim? Yeah, I, it's the Kraken. There's no denying just the massive size and strength. There's no competing with it. And so we said we would do it, and we're duty-bound to do the same. Let's put the Wendigo against the Kraken. And I will remind you that 71% of the Earth's surface is ocean, which is the Dominion of the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the Wendigo who's like, oh, I'm going to change. Am I a bunyip? Oh, am I good? Am I Senator Mitch McConnell? What do I look like? And the Kraken's just like, force of nature, destroy everything. <laughs> I don't know, man. Turtles might be able to take on the Kraken. 
the giant <laughs> turtle with the city on its back. Especially one as old as Mitch McConnell. Jesus. <laughs> You see what that asshole looks like in a tan suit? That's the stuff of nightmares. Forget skinwalkers. <laughs> tan suit's not the problem. It's that he chose to wear black shoes and black socks with it. Oh, my God. What a faux pas. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the Kraken wins there, too. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure you can get a cover up right now. <laughs> no, man. It's. I think that it's completely fair. Like, What's kind of frustrating, though... If you put the Kraken against the Thunderbird, which was second place against the Wendigo, I think it loses there. Oh, yeah, that probably could. That has sci-fi movie written all over it. Yeah, right? (laughs) So there you have it, goons. We have the Kraken, the world's greatest. Maybe we can get into some like more godly stuff, like the turtle with the world on its back or some Pennywise stuff. If you'd like to hear more versus modes in the future, be sure to let us know. Drop us a line at slasherspod at gmail.com. Fellas, do you have anything to say to these goons before we let them go for this evening? No. Fuck boys. <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> Enjoy killing time. Until next week. For these goons, my name is Jake, reminding you to go out there and do something you love, and remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. I really like this band called Resistor. I also really like the fact all their social media is super simple. We are Resistor. How nice is that? I don't have to remember four different things and different URLs, and I can make it even easier. Linktr.ee slash WeAreResistor has access to everything, from the YouTubes to the band camps to the Instawebs. Anyway, this is... Resistor. They have a song called Thorns. It is delightful. They have an album called Dead Air. It is fucking awesome. So please enjoy Resistor.